We live in a culture that tends to celebrate pride, but when we're not careful, that pride easily turns to entitlement. TikToks and short videos of individuals berating store clerks or becoming extremely rude to fellow patrons quickly go viral on social media for all the wrong reasons. It's those types of mindsets and behaviors that the Apostle Paul encourages Christians to lay down, instead choosing to live with Christ-like humility. What does it mean to be humble like Christ? What does it look like in our daily lives? Let's dig into scripture together to find out. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are on our second episode of our six-part series in Christian Virtues. Virtues that the Apostle Paul told us to put on as we grow in our faith. And in the first episode, we talked about compassion and the importance of suffering with people. Because compassion, that's what it means. It's a compound word, com meaning with and passion meaning suffer. And so Paul showed us how we could actually love people by suffering with them. And now in the second episode, we're going to take up the virtue of humility. And in some ways, Daryl, the writer Robert Roberts suggested that humility is in some ways the core virtue of all the other virtues. It is perhaps the most Christ-like virtue. And if you aren't humble, the odds of your being any of these other virtues or the odds of your bearing any of the fruit of the Spirit are going to be much, much lower because humility is in some ways sort of like the hub on the wheel and all yeah. the other virtues are the spokes that come out from it. I can see that. I think that it'd be very important for us to get a working definition of what humility mm -hmm. is so that people know what we're talking about. We're on the same page. If you think about humility, the definition really talks about having a low regard for oneself and making sure that you know that all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise don't come just to you for the things that you do, even though you have the skills and abilities to do them. And if we think about it from a theological lens, we could say, hey, listen, God is great. He is big. He is large. He is much more powerful than we are. And as human beings, we are not. We're lower than him. We recognize our place under his divine authority. And if we see ourselves in his light, even though that place is smaller, it is not insignificant to God. Exactly. The opposite of humility is the deadly sin of pride. The proud want all the attention. They want all the accolades. They want everybody else to look up to them. Pride is often associated with images of height, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. She's on her high horse, or he's, he always looks down his nose at me, you know. Mm. He's got a high-flying opinion of himself. Humility is the opposite of all that. Now, we should point out that there's a difference between humility and humiliation, yes. right? We, we aren't supposed to be humiliating ourselves or allowing others to humiliate us, no. But it does mean that we're not always wondering, am I in the limelight? How can I get in the limelight? How can I look better than that? person? How can I make people want to envy who I am? No, we want to have what we're going to mention in a little while, kind of a sober opinion of ourselves, a realistic opinion of ourselves in relation to other people. One of the things well, when we talk about, and we've done a series of this on Groundwork before, The Seven Deadly Sins, when we talk about antidotes to pride, proud people always compare themselves to whom they regard to be lesser. And so we always say one of the ways to combat pride is why didn't you only ever compare yourself to God? Right. Because you're never going to come out on top of that one. That'll keep you in your place. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's safe to say that when you operate in pride, it is 
a view that keeps you from seeing yourself mm, accurately. Right. And also it taints everything else you do. So you could do a thing, you could serve someone, but if it comes from the pride attitude mm. and posture, it is definitely going to taint what you're trying to do. And the other thing is that scripture is definitely replete with plenty of examples of what humility should look like. And we have an example here from Proverbs 22, four that says humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages are riches and honor and life. So humility starts with the fear of the Lord, Scott. Exactly. And another Old Testament passage that speaks of this is from Zephaniah 2, verse 3, where we read, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. So humble people seek God and they seek him humbly. <laughs> it's kind of ringed in by humility there. And also continuing in Proverbs, in Proverbs 3.34, it shows that God favors the humble. It says that he mocks proud mockers, but he shows favor to the humble and oppressed. And I think with humility, you can still keep your dignity and who you are, your identity and who God says you are. But like you said about humiliation, that removes dignity from people. That disrespects them. And if you're prideful, you actually disrespect yourself. Mm. You don't even give yourself an opportunity to see yourself the way God sees you and God opposes that kind of thing because you're setting yourself up as if you don't need him. And that's not what Christians are called to do. Pride affects how you view things and how, uh, how you view other people. You're always looking down on other people. Again, as Robert Roberts has suggested, humility really is just seeing all of life as a level playing field. You know, when, I mean, you've got gifts I don't have. I got gifts you don't have. Our producer has gifts neither of us have. But we need all those gifts in life. And when you add up all of our pluses and minuses, we all come out the same. We all look at each other at eye level. And Paul talks about this in Romans 12, verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's not just that that scripture truth only applies to the Roman Christians mm. that Paul was talking to. We can all have an inflated view of ourselves if we're not careful because vanity is very slippery. Pride is very, very tricky. And we need to see ourselves with sober judgment. And sober judgment, in my opinion, is when you allow God's scripture to tell you who you are and to remember that those things are the truth, not the opinions of other folks, not what you tell yourself, but what God has already spoken about us is the truth. Exactly. And again, it's just the matter of seeing each other at eye level, seeing life as a, a level playing field in which we all have our various roles to play. And nobody has any cause to puff themselves up as saying, well, the gifts I have that you don't have are more important. Uh, you know, it sort of reminds you of Paul's image of the body mm -hmm. in the New Testament. The eye can't say to the foot, I'm more important than you. Right. The hand can't say that to the nose. You know, no, we need all these things working together in harmony and in unity. And when that happens, then life goes much, much better, because indeed we abuse ourselves in many ways when we're proud. We abuse other people because we think we can, because we think we're better than them. Humility is all about an honest, clear eyed assessment of life, sober judgment, which we just read in Romans 12, that sober judgment that says, you're not better than me, and I'm not better than you. God's greater than all of us, that's right. for sure. But uh, as we go through life together, we do so um, as partners, as, as brothers and sisters, as, as co-workers in the Lord. 
And that's something that we're going to need to do. And I think not only do you think about that in terms of what Scripture teaches about who we are, but if you have a mentor or a coach or someone who you look up to that can speak into your life and hold you accountable, those are the kinds of people that you give permission to tell you that when your head is in the clouds mm. or when you're going too much or you're thinking you're doing too much, they're the people that can love you and say, no, you got to come on back down to the ground now. You have to be able to hold a mirror up in front of me so that I can see that I am not being humble. And that is the kind of person that I need in my life. Well, in just a minute, we want to continue to talk about the virtue of humility and what it means in our lives. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork, and we're talking about humility, which is a position and posture that Christians are called to live in. And we have another example here from Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And we are called to not just live as if we're in a silo. There are other people around us that are affected by our actions, whether we do well or do poorly. So Paul is saying we ought to look at other folks and see how we might serve them because he's setting us up in this passage to show us that Christ did the exact same thing. Right, because Christ is the ultimate example of of humility, and that comes through very, very clearly in that Philippians 2 passage. We said a minute ago in the first part of the program, another passage in Romans, think of yourselves with sober judgment. We said, you know, we try to see each other at eye level. I don't try to put myself over you. Here, Paul says, actually, it's okay if you go a little bit the other way and you value others above yourself. That's okay. (laughs) Don't put yourself above others. But let others go uh, above you. I mean, treat them that way anyway. Don't look only at your own interests, uh, but look to the interests of others. Serve each other. Uh, And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, that humility leads to a posture of service. And again, it is what Christ did. And and were we to read farther there in Philippians 2, we'd get to that famous song of the self-emptying, what in Greek is called the kenosis, the, the emptying of Christ. And Paul says, look, Christ was the Son of God. Christ had it all. He's God. He was God. But he didn't hang on to that. He didn't grasp that. He gave it up. He let it go for a time so he could be born as a true human being, vulnerable to death, and who did die, a humiliating, humble servant's death on a cross as a sacrifice for many. That's what Jesus did, right? So we said um, early in the program, humility may very well be the core Christian virtue from which everything else springs. And here's why. It's what made Jesus sacrifice himself for our sins. I mean, Scripture specifically says that he's made from the same essence as God Mm. in that passage. And if you think about the journey that Christ had taken, which is the journey that we're supposed to take, it looks like a bell curve in reverse Mm. where he starts in heaven and he goes down, down, down to human life, down into death, down into hell, actually, and then resurrects and becomes the one who has 
earned the right to have the name that is above every name. And he does that by demonstrating a life of humility. And also the other thing that was important was I think that to, for those of you who hear Scott say, Hey, you're supposed to put others before you. I don't want to get into the other extreme of that, which means you lose yourself and you become a doormat and you become a people pleaser because that's not what Scott is saying. Scott is saying that as you keep the dignity of what God has taught you to be as a believer, you can learn how to put others' interests before your own and not lose the character of who you are while you're serving. Because when Christ served, he was still who he was. He just found a way to do that in a way that honored the dignity, not only in what God has called him to do, but in the person that he is serving, which is, I think, is one of his mission statements that came from Mark 10, 45. He did not come to this world to serve, be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that was out of the humility that you're talking about. And perhaps the greatest example of this is the well-known foot washing scene in John 13. Let's read that whole story. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Now, that's interesting. There again, Jesus had all things, right? And that he had come from God, was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing. Later you'll understand. No. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well, then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Well, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus being their ultimate teacher, their rabbi, in their culture, in their day, people were expected to serve him. The disciples washing his feet would be commonplace because that's kind of the posture mm -hmm. that they have with rabbis. But Jesus flips it on his head. He literally shows them, I'm here to serve you. Even though the culture and the wider society says you're supposed to serve me, I'm showing you a better example. And now that I'm modeling that, I need you to do that because that's the way of humility. Again, I love how John sets that up. Jesus knew God had put all things in his power. Jesus knew he had come from God, was going to God, that he was God. So in other words, Jesus knows that he's the all-powerful one. And then we get the word, so... That's when he took his clothes off and started to wash their feet. It's like, wow, uh, that's not what you would think to come after the so. So then Jesus said to his disciples, aren't one of you going to wash my feet? You know, get down there and yeah. do, do your job. I'm your rabbi. No, he goes the absolute opposite direction, gives them an example of what they are supposed to do for each other and for all people uh, going forward. A posture, a position of humility. We often talk about grabbing for the brass ring or, or grabbing for the top rung of the ladder. Jesus says, get used to grabbing the bottom rung of the ladder, you know, dive down deep to do the menial stuff that proud people won't do. And in that way, you show that you are like me. 
Yeah, he shows the way up is the way down, actually. Exactly. And like I said, it's back to that song in Philippians 2. But here's a little litmus test. I've been testing myself with this one. The people that serve us in our lives or they're working, let's say they're waitresses or they're clerks at the cashier desk or they're people who take our trash away. How do I treat them? Do I treat them a certain way because they are working for me, quote unquote, or it's their job, quote unquote? Am I able to serve them by saying, hey, thank you for what you do or give them gratitude, the people who bring letters to my house, the mail carrier? How do I treat them? Because the Bible tells us not to show favoritism to people who we think are important that can do something for us. And then the people that will do things that serve us, we treat them a certain way. The Bible tells us not to do that. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, we do sometimes see installations of pastors or other people in the positions of power. They'll literally do a, a foot washing ceremony up on stage. Truth is, we don't do foot washing in our culture anymore. But those things you just mentioned, Daryl, would be the modern equivalent of, of foot washing, treating others as though they're better than you, being polite, saying thank you. You know, I remember my, my dad every once in a while, even though we paid our trash service to haul our garbage away, every once in a while, dad would just stick a $20 bill on the top of the trash can just for the trash man to see and pick it and, and maybe get himself a little extra something for lunch that day. Just kind of going over the top to be kind. That might be a, a modern day equivalent of foot washing. But as we wrap up this program, uh, we want to think more about how we put this virtue of humility into practice. So stay tuned. One of the great themes of the New Testament is the kingdom of God. From the first chapter of the book of Matthew to the final chapter of Revelation, the New Testament reveals Jesus Christ as the true King. In a 31-day devotional series, we will ponder King Jesus and His kingdom. Join today in January and kick off your new year with a series titled The Kingdom Chorus. Refresh, refocus, and renew at todaydevotional.com. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, we've covered a lot of ground when it comes to this concept of humility. But now we want to kind of land the plane. We've got kind of a longest passage. We might skip around a little bit. But let's hear some words from Colossians 3. Uh, and again, uh, Christ being our example. It says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of his creator. And here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And now we get this clothing image. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive the sins, right? So these are a lot of the virtues we're talking about in this series. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful, and let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So we're called to put on Christ. We dress up like Jesus, and, and humility and all the other virtues that spring from it spin out of that. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this clothing uh, image the other day. I saw my son wearing my jacket hmm. when he went out to the car to uh, grab something. It was cold outside. He didn't want to grab his jacket. He grabbed my jacket, and then he put on my shoes. And so what's interesting to me is that not only is his feet getting big enough to fit my shoes <laughs> as a teenager, but I think that when he put on, I don't know how deep this goes for him, but he, he took on my jacket. And when I put on my dad's jacket, I tried to imitate my dad. I tried to walk around and be, you know, say the mannerisms and all the things that he did. And that's the image that sticks with me because when we put on these virtues, humility included, we are to imitate Christ and walk around as he would walk around and say what he would say and do what he would do. And hopefully that will resonate with us and change us to the place where we will use our responsibility to put to death the other things and to live into this life that Christ has called us to live into. You know, I, th- I was on an airplane recently and uh, I was taking notice of the, the pilot and the co-pilot. And, you know, airline pilots wear those uniforms, right? They wear those hats, they're those formal caps. They've got their jacket with their, their rank insignia on it and uh, all, all the rest. They don't have to wear that to know how to fly a plane, but it's part of their identity, right? Pilots dress that way because it's part of their identity. Military people have uniforms. Lots of places have uniforms. Waiters and restaurants have uniforms because when you put something on, it, it be you are that role. And so we are to put on Christ. And as you said, Daryl, if we put on someone else's clothes, particularly a beloved parent or a father, maybe you want to act like that person. Well, we want to put on Christ. We want to put on his humility, the opposite of pride, so that we can be Christ to each other. So we, we put on those those new clothes. Part of this, too, reminds me, this veers away from the clothing image a little bit, but it's when you put things into practice, right? Uh, as C.S. Lewis famously said, you know, if you don't feel lovingly toward somebody, just act lovingly toward them. And you know what happens most of the time? Eventually, the feeling follows. Act lovingly toward someone that you don't particularly love, and the day arrives and you realize, Hey, I love this person after all. So kind of lose yourself in being Christ and see how it transforms your whole outlook. I believe that if we're honest with that whole notion, Scott, to do what Christ is telling us to do is definitely going to be counterintuitive to what we would be comfortable with doing. Like when Jesus says, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles, mm-hmm. it's not something that you would actually feel comfortable doing all the time. But if you trust the master and the way he calls us to live, it will eventually along the journey change our character. This whole series is about the Christian virtues of the character of Christ being displayed in us. And so if we take these new clothes that he's calling us to wear and we imitate it and put it into practice, it's the best way to love God and love neighbor. And just to kind of look forward a little bit in this series, again, we said humility, being Christ-like is what feeds all the other virtues. And indeed, eventually we're going to have uh, the fourth program in this series is going to be on generosity. 
And there's been some hints of that even on this program already, kind of anticipating two programs from now. We're generous people. We're going to have the final episode on forgiveness. And we've talked about that a little bit in this room. We forgive as Christ forgave others. When we look at all of those things, we're also, the other two programs, we're truthful people. And our very next program, we're grateful people. When you put on Christ as a garment, when you take his humility and you look at yourself with sober judgment, you look to the interest of others, that is when you start to act like Jesus in every aspect of your life. And even though it's not easy to do, it's definitely worth it. So we actually pray that God will give us the ability to live in such a way that whenever good happens, we give all glory, all honor, and all praise to God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we learn about the Christ-like virtue of thanksgiving and gratitude. Connect with us now at groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or what you'd like to hear discussed next on a Groundwork program. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 